Hey everybody, this is David Opposing the Matrix. How are you tonight? It is 10.47 p.m. on the Pacific Coast, the left coast, the communist coast, on the 15th of September, 2020. If you haven't gotten your um, estimated taxes out today to the federal government and to your state entity, well, have fun with that. Um, we got ours out today and... Uh, it's a good thing, I guess. <laughs> I guess I've had my own way. I wouldn't pay taxes at all, but you know, um, being free—that's what you do. You pay taxes. But um, anyway, uh, tonight I wanted to talk about a couple of things. Um, one of those things is the, of course, the wildfires here in Oregon, and some of the stupidity that I've seen around. <laughs> And uh, the other thing is uh, another subject that uh, is equally uh, inane. Maybe that's a good way to put it, inane. And that is the um, the fact that there are some Christians out there that call anti uh, that call Trump the Antichrist uh, because he's making a uh, a peace agreement or, or agreeing on a peace accord between the Israelis, the United Arab Emirates, and the uh, Kingdom of Bahrain. Um, okay, uh, first of all, that's three countries, right? Um, uh, Jordan has already had a peace accord with, uh, with Israel for quite a few years, and the Saudis, uh, if they haven't signed a peace accord, are... Um, Definitely uh, peaceful with the Israelis. I do believe they've signed something. Though they've been sharing technology and stuff. And, uh, and also, uh, they have a common enemy, which is Iran. Uh, which I like to call Persia because it pisses off the Israel, the, uh, the Iranians. Uh, anyway, um, so why don't we get started with the first thing, with, uh, which would be the, uh, the Trump is the Antichrist thing. Um, uh I don't know where to start. You know, it's, this is, you, you'll find that many Christians, they, they tend to parrot what they hear from other Christians. Um, and they get a lot of things wrong. For instance, uh, let's, let's just take, for example, the, uh, the wise men at the, uh, the birth of Yeshua. We sing songs about the three wise men. Well, there weren't three wise men. It doesn't say how many there were. There could have been 10. There could have been 20. There could have been two. Um, but the fact that there was myrrh, frankincense, and gold, and there were three, you know, three items, um, suggests to many that there were three, only three kings. But uh, the Bible does not say that, although many Christians will swear up and down that there were three kings. Um and yes, they were from the east, but they weren't from from the Orient. Basically, Orient basically is a, a, an English word that uh, comes from the Latin Orientalis, which means um, which means eastern, the eastern. Like, and, and we're talking more like China and Japan and stuff like that. Um, when you when you talk about Persians, you're not really talking about Orientals, are you? <laughs> when you use to hear the term Orientals, you're thinking of uh, China, Vietnam. Uh, Japan, Korea, uh, nations like that. So uh, anyway, it just goes to show you right there how things can get just totally messed up, okay, and how uh, 
and how this this uh, mess up can be perpetuated over years, uh, decades, centuries, and maybe even millennia. I don't know how long that song's been out. Three wise men of Orient Far, um, but uh, it just goes to show you that uh, there there's a misnomer out there, or several misnomers, and that they're easily believed. Um, I've seen it many times where pastors have said things and and they've been totally wrong and people swallow it up. I went to one Calvary Chapel one time and and was uh, talking with the the neighbor I was sitting next to and and something that the pastors did didn't quite uh, ring true and and I just said, hey, did you hear what he said about this one thing? I didn't remember reading about that in the Bible and he says if our pastor says it, then we believe it. I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, well, you know, part of me wanted to say if he asked you to drink Kool-Aid uh, laced with poison, uh, would you do it, you know? And who knows what the answer is? He Maybe it would have been a yes, you know? But um, anyway, uh, so now, you know, you got Christians running around, some, you know, not all, that Trump is the Antichrist. Well, certain things have to happen. Uh, for the Antichrist to appear. Okay, why don't we just, um, why don't we just go into, uh, Blue Letter Bible? I, I haven't had this called up, but I will. And it's an easy thing to find because we just gotta type in perdition. And it's not that many places in the Bible. And I like to use the Blue Letter Bible. Uh, matter of fact, perdition is only used in the New Testament, it looks like. Um, Okay. All right. Yeah. Second Thessalonians two. Uh, and perdition is, uh, is you don't want to be a perdicious person because it means that you're totally lost and you have no hope. Um, let's see. Okay. I'm going to read this. Uh, uh, Second Corinthians, excuse me, uh, chapter two. We'll start with verse 3. Let me just go back up. Oh, no, no. You know, this is really good because we, we always talk about the rapture. And uh, back uh, when, when Paul wrote this letter to the, uh, to the church at Thessalonica, um, there had been a rumor going around that the rapture had happened and they'd been left behind. <laughs> Sound familiar? Um so Paul says, now we beseech ye, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye not be shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letters as from us, as the day of Christ is at hand. So, in other words, I guess there were counterfeit letters going around, like from Paul, um, saying that... Uh, which, which would be dumb because if anybody was going to go to be with the Lord, it would have been Paul and he wouldn't have been able to write a letter, right? Uh, he'd be with the Lord. So anyway, uh, verse three, let no man deceive you by any means for that day shall not come except there be a, there come a falling away first and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped. So that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself to be God. Now, last time I looked, Trump's not claiming to be God. Um, he claims to be an agent of God um, and believes that he's doing God's will. But he is, uh, I, I haven't heard him say I'm God, okay? 
So there's there's the first strike, you know, and, and you only get three, and you're out in the inning, right? Remember you not that when uh, that when I was yet with you, I told you these things, and now you know that that excuse me, and now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. In other words, there's something holding back the man of perdition and that there's a time for him to be revealed, but this thing, or should we say person, is holding him back. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he is taken out of the way. And the word let there means um, holding back. It's... um, it's it's like letting righteousness persist until he's pulled out of the way. Now, a lot of Christians will use this scripture to say that, um, yeah, when the rapture happens, that uh, the Holy Spirit's going to be taken off uh, out of the earth or away from the earth with the church. But if you do a, um, a, a word study on letteth, and it, and it says um, it says he. Who now letteth. So he who now restrains basically is what it's saying. He is a person. It's not an it. So probably and most likely is the Holy Spirit. I I do believe it is. Um, Or he is. And um, so he's holding back. And if you you look at the terminology of letteth and let, um, if you can picture a a dam that, you know, dam that holds back water. Uh, every once in a while, they'll open up the gates, and, and it allows water to pass through or over. And uh, so, basically, what what it's saying here is that the one that's restraining the the man of perdition from being revealed is is keeping him like a like a water gate would on a dam from being revealed. But someday, it's the dam gate is going to be lifted, or it's going to be moved um, from to the left or to the right, and and then this information is going to come forth of who the man of perdition is. And and it says, and then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So we know that's the Antichrist, right? Uh, even, who, even him who is coming after the work of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness and unrighteousness and them that perish because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And uh, this is where we got the delusion resistance from actually uh, the idea for the name. Uh, and for this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion that they should receive a lot, believe a lie. And again, it's God not necessarily sending it if you look at the original language he's just going to let it happen okay he's holding back the strong delusion and he'll let it happen and he'll let it happen so that you and i'll be able to know who is for god and who's against because at this time and, and, and we're getting quite close actually because now you can really tell quite quite easier than you could um 20 or 30 years ago, you could you can tell who's evil and who's not because they're just revealing themselves left and right. The uh, the uh, the wolves and the uh, the the uh, tares and uh, and everything else. We're finding out who they are because they're basically just coming out of the closet, so to speak, uh, to use the terminology uh, that they might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And uh, he goes on and talks about. Uh, but we give thanks to God uh, 
because uh, we've been chosen uh, for salvation through the Holy Spirit and believe in the belief of the truth. Anyway, um, so basically nobody's going to know who an Antichrist is until the one that's holding back the Antichrist is left. And it's going to be preceded by a strong, uh, excuse me, by a, um, a great falling away. Now, it could be argued that a great falling away is happening, and in part it is. But I think that when, by looking at the terminology that's used, um, um, it's it's more or less saying that um, it's it's going to be not necessarily well, it's going to be Christians, and it's going to be the the worldly people that fall away. Uh, and they're not falling away necessarily from the faith. They're falling into um, a net, let's say, uh, that's cast for, by Satan. And uh, uh, and if you, man, you can go to any church nowadays, and uh, well, I won't say any church, but many churches nowadays, and you can see where uh, the lore of the world is there and the many churches you would if you compared them to the churches that I went to when I was born again back in 1979 you wouldn't even call them churches anymore they're just basically uh um spiritualized elks clubs meetings or something like that um so anyway uh trump uh <laughs> he he's not the man of perdition okay the son of perdition and uh, if you read later on, it, it talks about uh, the, the son of perdition, actually. Well, we'll read about that a little later because that's in Daniel. Okay. Um, why don't we do that right now, I guess, right? Let's see, Daniel 9. And I want to really focus on verse 27 because uh, uh, Daniel is, is actually talking about 72 weeks or 70 weeks, excuse me. And um, he's exclaiming above uh, verse 27 that 69 weeks will be used up when Messiah is cut off. It basically means that's when Messiah is killed. Um, in verse 26, actually, it said, and this is chapter 9 of Daniel, and after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. So we're talking about an extended period here, not just the this war started um, with the death and resurrection of Yeshua Hamashiach, and it's a spiritual war, but it's it's been happening since well what, what if, some people say 28 A.D. some people say 30 some say 33 A.D. Um, but since uh, Yeshua uh, died, uh, was resurrected, and then ascended to heaven, uh, this war has been going on. And uh, it's funny how, uh, let's see, it says, the, and the people of the prince that shall come shall just destroy the city. Well, obviously that was Rome, and they destroyed the sanctuary too. Because remember, Yeshua said that not one stone would be standing upon another. And... Uh, and that came to be a fact in 70 AD and the final, and then there was a dispersion in 70 AD, but the final diaspora happened in 135 with the uh, Bar Kokhba uh, rebellion, uh, which the, in, at which time the, the Jews, all the Jews that were living in, in Israel proper 
uh, were uh, disbanded throughout the whole world, anywhere but Israel, uh, anywhere in Rome, I should say, uh, the Roman Empire. Um, okay, now we go to verse 27. So um, now this is jumping. It's weird because between 26 and 27 is almost 2,000 years. Okay. Um, and it says, and he shall confirm a covenant with the many for one week. Now we're talking about the, uh, the prince of the people that destroyed the temple. Okay. And we can look at that many ways because definitely, yes, it was Rome that destroyed the temple. And we know that, uh, the system that's coming is, uh, also refer to it as a revived Roman Empire, but uh, it's, it's basically the the origins are Babylon. Uh, Babylon moved uh, after um, after Babylon was destroyed. Then that system moved to the Medes and the Persians. And then that system moved to the Greeks. Then that system moved to the Romans, and then it moved to uh, uh, what would later become Catholicism uh, with the popes and everything else. And, um, and it's been alive all along and now it's, um, basically inhabited by, uh, people that you don't see, you'll, you'll never see, and you'll never know, um, who are running things behind the scenes, uh, using you and I as puppets against each other. And the sooner that we realize that, the sooner that we can fight against it, um, because there is no, in Jesus, there is, or Yeshua, there is no black and white. There is no Jew and Gentile. All are one in Christ, is what the scripture says, or in Messiah. Um, and as soon as we realize that, uh, Christians proper, or Messianics, you might say, too. Uh, as soon as we realize that, we all come together. We're going to become a, val- a valuable and very large uh, fighting force. And hopefully it will happen. Um so anyway, verse 27, he shall confirm a covenant with many. Remember that it says many. It doesn't say Israel. It doesn't say the Jews. It says many for one week. In the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblations to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate even until the consummation or the return of Yeshua. And that determined and that determined shall be poured upon the upon the desolate. Okay. Um, now, I don't know if you know anything about the uh, English language, but uh, it's quite different from Hebrew. But Hebrew does have uh, little marks in it that that actually do look like colons, actually, and it separates ideas. Um, the the Torah, or I should say, the Tanakh, really in its original form had no periods. It had these ideas, and then all of a sudden there would be something that looked like a, a colon, and then it would move to something else. Well, the, the people that translated the Bible used a lot of those, and and um, and you, so we have the the uh, colon, not semicolon, the colon in there. So and it's and he shall confirm a covenant for, for with many for one week. Colon, okay. Now. I want you to read with me, or I'm going to read to you, and I want, why are colons used in sentences, okay? 
And once you learn this and you start reading scripture, realizing that colons mean something. Okay, colons follow independent clauses, clauses that should stand that could stand alone as sentences. Okay, and can be used to present an explanation, comma, draw attention to something, comma, or join ideas together. Okay, so now let's go back to Daniel. And let's just act like there was a period there or uh, a pause. Okay. And he shall confirm a covenant with the many for one week. Pause. And in the midst of that week, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblations to cease. Comma. Okay. So we got a comma, which means that we're, we're going kind of with the same idea, but we're, we're, it's a little different. Okay. It's the same idea as a sentence, except there's something added to it to kind of accentuate. Um, okay. Uh, and for this uh, overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, comma, even until the consummation, comma, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Okay. So the word covenant is an agreement. Okay. I think we all know what that is. Uh, uh, I, I happen to believe that the Bible is all one book, that the the Old Testament or the Tanakh is just as important as the New Testament, the British the Shah. Uh, Chuck Missler used to use a phrase, and I sh- don't know if he made it up or if he got it from somebody else, but that phrase was the New Testament is the Old Testament. Excuse me. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So you can't have one without the other. And I know there's some pastors out there, and I heard it again this week that somebody had um, been told in church that just study the New Testament. That's all you need to do is study the New Testament. Well, that's <laughs> that's like uh, studying American history or the Constitution without knowing why the founding fathers wrote the constitution the way they did. And that's probably why we have a big mess out there today because everybody thinks they know the constitution, but they don't know why it was written. Um, especially the, uh, the bill of rights. Um, so, uh, where was I going with this? So the old Testament and the new Testament go together. I mean, the prophecies in the Old Testament, a lot of them are fulfilled in the New Testament, and the rest of them will be fulfilled um, in the in the uh, days to come, weeks, months, years, um, however long it takes for Yeshua to return. But um, and then even afterwards, even in a new heaven and a new earth, and in the millennium, there are many scriptures in Ezekiel that that uh, in the last chapters of Ezekiel that talk about. Uh, what will happen in the, during the millennium. It's a really interesting read. And, and believe it or not, there's going to be sacrifices during the millennium. Okay. Um, so, you know, put that in your pipe and smoke it for a little while, I guess. But um, so this individual, the man of perdition, uh, we get that from the uh, the New Testament or the Rit of Tasha, uh, shall confirm a, co- a covenant with many. And like I said, if you look at the word many, and I think I have it called up here. Um, I can't tell if this is the word I'm looking for or not. Ah, wow. I do this a lot, folks. So let me just go back. 
and I'll click on the word many. It's the word Rob, R-A-B. It means much, many, great. And so that's uh, the first word, and it's uh, actually an adjective uh, in this use or in this definition. Much, many, abounding in, more numerous than, abundant enough, great, strong, greater than. As an adverb, it means much or exceedingly, and as a masculine noun, it means captain or chief. Okay, so it could mean that he's going to make a covenant with the captains or chiefs of nations. Okay, it could mean that he's going to make a, a covenant with, um, and that's that's actually very interesting because the we're talking about kings and stuff in the, in the book of Revelation. So it's quite possible that he makes the covenant with those people. Um, but which means, which would leave Israel, it would include Israel, but not just Israel, because it's many. Okay. Um, so anyway, he's, he's going to make a covenant with many. Okay. For one week. And what, and in this particular, um, rendering and this particular scripture, the one week is, uh, Counts for seven years, and if you, um, let's see, maybe I would have left that up there. Okay, yeah, I did. I actually did something right. How about that? Um, and it's the word uh, Shavua, or Shavua. you got to remember, in Hebrew, B's and V's are, are interchanged many times, okay? And the meanings of that word are uh, seven, seven, period of seven days or years. A heptad or a week. Uh, then the A under the, the Roman numeral one, a period of seven days or a week. It could, and then uh, the uh, small i under the A could mean a feast of weeks. And uh, if it's used in a, the, as a definition of heptad, it could mean seven years. So, you know, I don't think he's, with everything that's going to happen during that, that last week, I don't think it's seven days. It has to be seven years. I mean, if it was seven days, it would it would be a phenomenal amount of work to do in order to. He's going to make a covenant. He's going to honor it for, um, you know, two days. You know, and then he's going to break it the third. You know, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. So it's got to be a week, okay? Um. And when he breaks it, he's going to cease, uh, cause the sacrifice to cease and, and the oblation in the temple. Okay. Uh, for the overspreading of abominations. Now, the word overspreading means basically, um, like if you were to take, if you were to get into bed, uh, you, you know how you pull the sheets over so you can get in the sheets and the bedspread. And then after you get in, you pull that back over you. And that's, so that's what the overspreading means. Um, of abominations, of basically abominations or idols, idol worships, uh, wicked and vile things. Um, he he shall make it desolate, talking about the temple, even until the return of Jesus, the consummation, the return of Yeshua. And the and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. So the, the desolate he's talking about, I believe he's talking about the people that have no hope, those who have accepted the mark of the beast and um, and things like that. They're desolate. They're 
they're going no place but down. They're, there's no up button in their elevator, so to speak. Pardon me while I get a sip of coffee. When I'm on a live broadcast, i got to make them quick sips, so I might make a few more um, during our little show here. So anyway, to, to say that Trump is the Antichrist is, uh, it doesn't, it's not scriptural, first of all. Um, and second of all, um, it, it's always, the people that say that are, are usually pretty ignorant. They don't know scripture that well. Um, and they're just parroting what they've heard from other Christians. And you can parrot what you've heard, like from your pastor and stuff, if it's good things, but, um, I don't know about you, but when I go to a church, I <laughs> my ears really perk up. I've been burned many, many times in churches. Um, it doesn't stop me from going. Although, you know, it is a good incentive to stop going. But I just have this, this I guess like I'm like almost like a hopeless romantic. I I think I'm going to find the perfect church or, or the best church I can find. And right now, that, that that's true. It really is. So um, I, I, I just don't give up. And we're not supposed to. Uh, Paul tells us that we're not supposed to forsake the uh, gathering of the saints, as many do, especially as the time draws near for the return of Yeshua. But um, anyway, uh, to say that, well, first of all, uh, like we said, uh, well, no, we didn't say. Um, you got to realize that there's two big wars coming up in the Middle East. Okay, there's one that's called the Ezekiel 38 and 39 war, and there's another one that's called the um, Psalm 82 war. Um, study them in depth because they're very interesting. The uh, the Psalm 82 war is basically uh, Israel against her Arab neighbors. Okay. Um, the, the, uh, the Zico 38-39 were the Arab nations are not involved in it at all. They may even be allies of uh, Israel at that time. Okay. Um, I could see that happening, although, you know, that, that would be a miraculous thing for me to see because um, the Arabs are, are kind of notorious for not keeping their word when it comes to... Um, in other words, Islam teaches them that they can lie in order to further their, further and better themselves and the cause of is, Islam. So, um, you know, I, I I trust them as far as I could throw them. But um, who knows? Maybe they'll honor their peace treaty with Israel. And uh, usually when you have a treaty, you, uh, you have a mutual defense pact. And uh, in other words, if uh, Jordan gets attacked, Israel will go into... Uh, fight anybody that's attacking Jordan, so on and so forth, because they're all um, they're all bound to do that through the treaty, and that's most treaties are like that. I think all treaties are like that, actually. Um, so anyway, um, this thing was brokered by a Jared Kirshner, uh, who is uh, son, uh, the son-in-law of Donald Trump. He's married to Ivanka, and. Um, I don't know. I, you know, if anybody was was the Antichrist, I would think that maybe he is. I just there's just something about him that doesn't ring with me. Now I'm not saying that he is, but I'm saying that I would pick him over Trump if I was going to pick anybody. Okay, and there are other people that I would pick over both of them. 
you know so um but i'm not i'm not going to do that because uh trying to guess who the antichrist is is uh fruitless and stupid um i remember back in the 70s people used to uh use a form of gematria where uh you know a was six b was 12 c was uh, well they were all um trying to say they were all uh numerators of uh, the number six uh six being the common uh, numerator excuse me i should say and um you know they, they had things like the word computer and using that method comes up to be six 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 uh, i think kissinger uh, came up to be six 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 now there was a good choice um but unless he dies and comes back to life as a young man i don't see that as happening but um anyway um so i i think we pretty well dispelled the myth and uh the false teaching that trump is the antichrist um and i'm i'm gonna say i'm 99.999 percent sure on this one folks uh I think that he is being used by God for his purposes, for God's purposes, Yahweh's purposes, and that um, and that he's doing wonders, actually, for America and the world. And uh, we'll see what happens. And the only reason he's doing wonders for the world is because America is the strongest country in the world. And usually what America does, everybody else follows. So um, not you know he's not great because he's donald trump he's great because america's great and people tend to follow america because of its greatness if hillary had gotten in or if obama had somehow finagled the third term we'd be toast right now and i like toast but not enough to become toast okay uh let's move on here um I don't want to stay on very long tonight. I got to look and see how long I've been on already. It's only been a half hour. Okay. Um, last night when we had the show, uh, we talked briefly and it's the reason a lot of times while I had, why I have these, um, solo shows, uh, during the week is because, um, it's easier for me to get out everything I want to get out when it's just me. When there's me and Jim or me and Jim and Eric or me, Jim, Eric and Brian, the time has to be split up equally between all four. And there there are some that tend to go down rabbit trails and get off the subject a lot. And it eats up time. And when that time gets eaten up, um, it takes away from other things that I want to say. And maybe Eric wants to say or Jim wants to say or Brian wants to say. And uh, we try to keep things equitable between all four, but sometimes, actually many times, that doesn't happen. Um, and I'm praying that, you know, that uh, uh, that we have kind of uh, uh, a rebirth, so to speak, of fresh ideas and, and not keep dwelling on um, the old ideas that keep coming up over and over and over again, because that's not the way to keep an audience. Um, we want everything to be fresh and new and uh or or um commenting on things that were old but have new aspects to them and things like that so uh which brings us to uh what's going on here in the state of Oregon and i guess it's going on in Washington and in other places too in the west but you know when you live in a certain place you kind of um 
you tend to gravitate on that place. And, and uh, back in 2012, uh, actually 2011, I met my, my wife, Barbara. And uh, 2012, I moved up to Oregon and uh, lived with my uh, dear friends, uh, Doug and Mary, for uh, about three months. And then uh, we had our wedding. And then um, Barbara and I have been living together ever since. Married. <laughs> living together always has such a bad connotation. Um, anyway, so uh, Oregon's an odd place, okay? California's odd. Oregon's odder. Um, you think of Oregon, you think of uh, tim- rough timbermen, you know, uh, t- lumberjacks, prospectors, and everything else. And that's what the state was originally. But um, starting back in the late 1960s, uh, well, the hippies realized that Oregon had a lot of uh, forests and and green lands and stuff like that. So the hippies moved up here and they were leftists. And then uh, Hollywood and uh, other leftists started to realize that Oregon's prices up here were real cheap for property. So they started to come up and another leftist started to come up here. Um, believe me, back in the 80s, if you came to California, I mean, if you came to Oregon and you had California plates, you were not liked. Okay, you were, you know, you, you, believe me, I, I've seen it. I was up here. I saw the looks when they saw my California plates or I stayed at a motel and showed my California license, you know, to, to prove my identification. Um you were tolerated, but not liked at all. But as uh, Californians have moved up here, and it's it's been a lot of leftists that have come up here, especially in Western Oregon and uh, the, uh, Northwestern Oregon and the Willamette Valley, such as Eugene and um, in Portland is where many of the leftists have settled. Um, isn't that funny how leftists always settle in cities? Very seldom, unless they're Wiccans or something, do they settle out in the country. They seem to like to be able to congregate together like cockroaches. But um, anyway, um, so anyway, it's it's I shouldn't say it's weird. It's just a different place to live. It's something I'm not used to. I've always when I was uh, growing up as a little boy back in New Jersey, I always wished that we would have lived uh, up in New York State, up in the country. I just liked it. You know, it was it was neat. You know, you could see the stars at night. You could hear the crickets chirp. You could hear, you know, you, you go, if you went to a school and looked around, you saw a real playground. Our playground in where I grew up was, um, we used to call it Macadam, and that's just another name for uh, blacktop or, uh, you know, like a road surface. And you fell off the monkey bars, you got hurt. <laughs> you didn't fall into dirt or sand. Um, so I was used to that, and I always envied kids that grew up in the country. So when I moved to Oregon, I was really happy that I was moving up to the country, and I still am. And uh, we originally, we lived in Eugene, and um, Eugene makes California look like, a, like a, a red state. It really does. I mean, it's it's a liberal city in Eugene, and that's being kind. There's other names that I use for Eugene, but... Uh, being a, I'm on a radio show and I might have listeners in Eugene, I don't want to insult them too much. Um, but um, I think Eugene tries to be Portland. And, and they're trying really hard. Um, it, it cracked me up because a few years ago, and I'm going to go down a little rabbit trail. I'm doing a solo show so I can do that. Okay. 
Um, we moved there. Uh, you could uh, right across the freeway is a town called Springfield. And if you've ever seen the Simpsons, Simpsons and uh, that they live in Springfield, well, the writer for that show, the one that made it up, came from Springfield, Oregon. So Springfield is is the Springfield in the Simpsons or vice versa. And um, so if you went to Springfield, that was always called Spring Tucky because rednecks lived there. And, you know, they would always make jokes. The Eugenians would make jokes about people that didn't have a full mouth of teeth and and everything else. And, uh, you know, when you're a leftist, you, you, you don't have much going for you. So you shouldn't be um, criticizing people like that. But uh, anyway, they did. And um, but on the other side of the freeway, you know, were all the lib- liberals and stuff like that. And. Um, so, and they kind of split up their homeless equally, you know, there were homeless that, um, and the homeless here, um, I don't know how they stand the winters. I really don't. Um, sometimes shelters open up when it gets down below 30 and stuff, but, um, they were always out in intersections, uh, collecting money and it would tie up traffic because, you know, the, um, the liberals from Eugene would come and work in Springfield or just come there to shop. Um, because you could get plastic bags in Springfield at that time, you couldn't get them in Eugene anymore because they were bad for the environment. That's another story we should probably go into. But anyway, um, they, uh, one day, I guess this, this people of Springfield got tired of being panhandled every time they came to a traffic light or, you know, every time they went to a store, there was a bum outside trying to get money from them. So they made it illegal. And so all of the homeless moved over to Eugene and Eugene accepts them. Oh, they're the, they're the cream of the crop, the homeless over there. Um, and I had a laugh because one woman got on Facebook and she was an advocate for homelessness. And I said, shouldn't you be an advocate for the homeless and not homelessness? Are you advocating homelessness? You know, and, and I always ask people in Eugene, you know, are you willing to open up your yard so that they could pinch tents in your yard or uh, your, your backyard? Or, you know, can they live in your shed and stuff like that so they're not cold? Maybe they could set up a little stove in there or something. And, uh, they, you know, you could hear the crickets chirp when you ask questions like that because they're all for the homelessness, but not for the homeless. And and they and they do their penance by by giving them, you know two or five bucks when they come to a traffic light over in Eugene, you know, and um, that's how they, they ease their conscience uh, for the homeless. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's, it's, it's real interesting um, in Oregon. But anyway, um, I, I may, I make very few trips up to Portland. I, I, I stay clear of that area if I can, because I, uh, I don't know if you believe in, um, princes and principalities, uh, spiritual wickedness and rulers in high places and stuff like that. But I've, I can feel that stuff. And I remember when I crossed the border from California into Oregon, uh, initially I felt so different. I felt like a freedom come over me, like the oppression that was on the other side of that state line in California was gone until I got to Eugene and I felt it all over again. And people that have come from California, I mean, good Christians and stuff that still live in Eugene have become kind of um, uh, inoculated or should I, I guess is a good word. They, they can't see it or feel it anymore, but it's definitely there. It's it's a spirit that's um, indescribable. It's a spirit of wickedness disguised with um, 
an air of self-righteousness. Ooh, that's good. I got to write that down. Um, anyway, um, so, you know, I moved up here and, and so it, what happened was, um, I've always been a, a second rights, second amendment, uh, supporter. I've been shooting guns since I was probably three years old. Um, and, uh, I remember reading one day that the, uh, the sheriff at the time of Lynn County, which is the county north of where Eugene is, said that if the, uh, the government ever ordered him to, to take guns away, he would disobey and he wouldn't take the guns. And I told my wife, I said, that's where we need to be. So uh, we came looking for a church uh, up in this area. And, uh, you know, we went through Brownsville. And, you know, Brownsville had your, your typical Baptist and AGE church and stuff like that. And didn't find anything there. And just decided to drive a little farther and, and found this little hovel at Crawfordsville. And um, we went to the, uh, the only church that's here, basically. <laughs> And, uh, we liked it. Uh, my wife had, uh, actually known the pastor's wife years ago. And, uh, so we really took to it. Uh, yeah, there were some strange people that went to church there, but, uh, when that particular pastor left, uh, a lot of those people left with him. Um, uh, not saying that the pastor was weird. He's a really nice guy, Kelly Graham. I, I love him dearly. Um, but uh, when he moved on, they moved with him because, I don't know, for whatever reason, I, I don't want to try to get into people's heads and figure out why they do what they do. Um, that's something I do at work, and I don't want to do it on my time off. Um, anyway, so uh, we we like the church, and, oh, it would be nice if we could find a house. We, we came back out on the highway and made a right, and uh, we went down a little bit and saw a house for sale, and... and uh, you know, put, went uh, to a, a financial uh, advisor, and he worked out all the deals and stuff. And we we, act, we ended up buying the house, and, uh, and within walking distance of church. I, you know, how can you complain about that? So um, we were both working in Eugene at the time, so it wasn't a, too bad of a drive. That since it's changed, but. Um, uh, so anyway, uh, we got out of that, and, and the, the spirit that's in this county is so much different than the one that's above Lane County. Um, like I said, it, it was like California all over again, but worse, down in Eugene. And uh, and if you think that's bad, you should see what Portland's like. It's like, uh, it's like watching the movie Idiocracy. Um, it's just like watching the movie Idiocracy. Um, and if you watch that movie, folks, it's got some cussing in it. So if you don't like that, don't watch it. But you kind of get the the idea of the liberal mindset um, and what it could lead to if if it's allowed to fester. Uh, let me get another drink of coffee, please. Okay. Um, what I'll do is after I... And what I always do is after I finish a show, you know, it's always available to listen to right away. But I go through it and I take long pauses like that out of it and any hissing and anything like that. So it's it's got more of a, a pure sound to it. So, um, you know, if if you want to download the show, just wait usually till the next day. And it's uh, it's already to download with, without all the weird noises and hissing and whatever else might be there. I'm pretty anal when it comes to getting stuff out of it i can't get everything out of it like 
when Jim was eating a potato chip while he was talking yesterday. <laughs> Can't get that out of it. But, uh, you know, I can get a lot of things out of it. And uh, anyway, so we uh, so we moved up here and uh, we realized right away that the people in our our county and especially in the little town we live in are very conservative. Um, like any area, there's there's you know, you have problem people, but the majority of the people are nice. Um, about, I don't know, several miles down the road is uh, Sweet Home. And we'd always heard bad things about Sweet Home. It was the suicide capital of all of Oregon and everything else. Well, that turned out to be not true. Um, and the people there are really sweet for the most part. Uh, so we like going there a lot. And uh, sometimes I think maybe we should have bought a house there, but it's nice in the country. It's uh, it's nice to drink your own well water and and not have to pay for sewer fees and and things like that. And it's nice to be able to go out your front door and, and look at the Milky Way and all the stars that are out there. Haven't had any UFO sightings here yet. Um, and probably won't because they know what I'm all about and I know what they're all about. And I just tell them to get out of here in the name of Yeshua. But um, anyway, um, so we moved up here because uh, we thought we were safe from, and still do for the most part, from all the craziness in Eugene and some of the other bigger cities like Salem and Portland and now even Albany starting to get just a tad bit weird. Um, but, uh, and, and I know that these people here have my back. I know that, um, let's just say, certain groups that would decide to come through town well if they decide to come through town they better just keep going because there's going to be a rifle behind every tree if you know what i mean it's kind of like the revolutionary days you know that's or what did uh general yamamoto warned um or admiral yamamoto excuse me warned uh the military in japan not to attack mainland u.s because uh, there'd be a gun behind every tree because he knew that Americans had guns and uh, maybe we always have them. But um, anyway, you know, I, I, there's a lot of people here that are very good with guns. There's uh, people that could probably pick you off from, um, from a mountain ridge. You know, that's how good they are because they're hunters out here. Um, they hunt deer and elk and uh, sometimes if they can get, uh, well, they can't anymore. They used to be able to hunt mountain lions, but, um, our wonderful Katie Brown and her crew of, uh, I think it was actually before her made that illegal, uh, illegally used dogs to hunt them. Um, anyway, um, so now we have an overpopulation of mountain lions and they're taking sheep and they're taking family pets out of yards and everything else. So every time the, uh, liberals try to fix something, one thing, they break five others, you know? Isn't that the way it always is with liberals? But anyway, um, so last, uh, it's been kind of innocuous out here, actually. Uh, not, nothing much happens every once in a while. You know, you, you got your guy that burns his tires out on the highway or something, or, you know, you'll hear gunshots at 10 o'clock at night, but there's a lot of farmland around here. So maybe they're shooting at cougars or whatever. Um, and 4th of July is just a blast, literally, <laughs> um, because there's fireworks going off probably from sundown until 3 in the morning. 
dogs don't like it too much, but um, they've gotten used to it. But um, anyway, we, we protect our own out here. Um, uh, I remember when we first moved here, we had this thing out in the yard. We used to call it the scary bush. It, it was an old, um, uh, what is that? Uh, Arbor, Arborvitae. And I counted the rings on it. I think there was like 75 rings on it when we cut it out of there. But so a uh, 75 year old Arborvitae, that's, that's amazing. But anyway, it turned into this big bush that was probably, um, 15 to 20 feet across and probably the same de- in depth. And, uh, they call it the scary bush because, you know, you could hide in it really easy if you wanted to, you know, ambush somebody. So, um, I didn't like it. It hampered my view when I was trying to pull out of the driveway. So, um, this really nice guy, his name was Skip. Um, he claims to be, well, before I moved here, he claimed to be the only uh, Jew that lived in town. Um, but now there's two of us. And uh, and he came up one day and, he, and I was talking to him. I says, yeah, one of these days I'm going to cut that thing down and get it out of here. He says, I'll take it out of here. And I go, well, how much you want? And he says, I'll do it for free. You know, I got a place to put it and everything, you know. And I said, okay. And uh, so he came out and he, uh, he cut it down and uh, got it out of the driveway and loaded it onto a flatbed trailer and it was gone. And I've had more acts of kindness. You know, every time I see that guy, he's... You know, one day he had a flashlight on his hat, and I said, hey, that's a really neat flashlight. Oh, you want it? You can have it. And I'm like, no, that's okay. That's okay. But it's it's that's the, the country atmosphere that's out here, and I really, really like it a lot. And uh, and we've been accepted now as, as uh, part of the community, and uh, for the most part. And uh, it's just been just – it's a really nice experience. Well – you know, you see the all the looting and all the violence up in Portland, and there was a little bit down in Eugene, and very little in Salem, and none in Albany. But, um, and you and you're you're glad you don't live there, you know. And, um, uh, but you know what? It's you're not always safe. Um, I woke up. Uh, let's see. It was, uh, I'm trying, I'm trying to get my dates right here. Okay. So, so bear with me. Um, it wasn't this last weekend. It was the weekend before and I'd missed some work, uh, because I, I wasn't feeling well. And I, I was in a, in a sense, sent home from work. I was manifesting with a fever and a cough and, and they were always afraid of COVID. It wasn't that, I understand. But uh, anyway, um, so let's see, Sunday night. Okay, it was Monday. Yeah, it was Monday because we were getting ready to do the radio show. And uh, we started doing a radio show, and then all of a sudden the power went out. And then uh, we had these little um, chimes outside. Uh, they're not real little, you know, like the kind that drive you crazy. And they're not the real nice ones, you know, like with the big pipes are kind of like uh, center of both of those. And uh, they started kicking up and making a lot of noise and like, oh, the wind's blowing, you know. And then, uh, you know, they, they had forecast high winds and a fire danger. And um, 
it's weird, you know, because they, they forecast that stuff all the time, but you never think that about the fire danger. Oh, yeah, well, they're they're forecasting it. It's a big deal. It won't happen. Well, it did. Um, so I took, uh, let's see, the, the radio show started, and then uh, 14 minutes into the radio show, so that would have been probably about 10 minutes to 7, uh, the power went out. And uh, so <laughs> I uh, I called Jim. And I said, Jim, if you guys are still talking, you're talking to dead air. So uh, you might want to just cancel it for tonight. And they did. And uh, I told him what was going on, you know, and he said, OK, we'll just stay safe and hug up. And um, I took the garbage can out, which I do every Monday afternoon or evening, sometimes Monday morning, too. But um, I noticed that it was really windy and that there was ash blowing. And I'm like, oh, this is weird. You know, and and uh, I'd read that there was a fire over by Mount Jefferson. Now, if I wanted to drive to Mount Jefferson, it'd probably take a couple or two or two and a half hours to get there because I'd have to drive over the Cascades. And it's Mount Jefferson is a uh, is a dormant volcano, quite high, always covered with snow, it seems like. And uh, but there was a fire down uh, to the south side of it. And I thought, oh, the wind kicked up and it's blowing the ash this way. And I'm talking about big pieces of ash, you know, a leaf size ash. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, wow, that's that's some wind, you know, to pick up that kind of leaf and or not leaf, but uh, that size ash and blow it 130 miles. I'm like, but nothing's impossible. You know, I've seen in my lifetime, I've seen some weird stuff. But um, so I just kind of wrote it off. And then later that night, I went to let our dogs out like I usually do. And I shined, I shined a flashlight up in the sky and it was actually, um, I don't know if you've ever been in a blizzard, but you know how the snow blows kind of sideways and, uh, well, the ash was blowing sideways and it looked just like snow. And I got a video of it and I put it on Facebook. But, uh, anyway, uh, I come in and I said, Barbara, I said, <laughs> I said, there's an ash blizzard outside. And she went out and looked at it. Oh, wow. it's weird. And I kind of got the inkling that there was a fire a lot closer than 130 miles. And um, I got online and found out that um, that something had kicked up uh, out at Blue. It was uh, Blue River. It's on the right on the Mackenzie River. Um, Blue River was a little town. They had a restaurant, a few homes and stuff like that. And a fire started there and um, it really kicked up and it had blown down the Mackenzie River Canyon, and it was blowing up into the mountains and um, up to the headwaters of the Kaiapua River, which flows right through our town. Well, anyway, um, I was kind of concerned, <laughs> you know, and then I, I finally found a map. I don't know if it was me or Barbara found the map. I can't remember, but um, and it showed areas where they were giving uh, level one, two, and three alerts. Uh, the, and the levels went green, amber, and red. Green meant you know, that there's a possibility you might be told to get out. Amber was, you know, you better pack your stuff and get ready to be told to get out. And red meant that, uh, you know, you're going whether you like it or not. Um, I understand that people that disobeyed the red, a lot of them died. So let me get another sip of coffee, please. It's just getting to the point where it's almost cold to drink, but... This too shall pass. Anyway, um, 
So I said, you know, I think maybe we should start gathering our stuff up and just have it in the kitchen so that we can load it up into the truck should we need to. And uh, the next morning, the whole area around us, it was it was surreal. It was south of the highway that we live on um, had turned from green to amber, except for our town. <laughs> and except for the little town of Holly that's kind of east of here. Uh, were the only two areas that were still green. So um, I said, okay, I think it's time to, to pack it up. And uh, and we did. We packed some stuff up in our truck, and uh, Barbara's got a little Honda. We packed stuff into there, too, and got the dogs all harnessed up and, um, you know, packed them into the cars. Actually, no, I'm talking about nighttime. That was the next day. Um, so... We had everything ready to go, and the next morning, it just, the, I can't explain to you, I've never seen, <laughs> I've never seen smoke that looked like this, but it looked like, actually looked like clouds, like billowing clouds, and it was orange. If you looked outside, everything was orange, just like somebody put orange sunglasses on you while you were asleep, and when you woke up, everything looked orange. So I went outside, and I shot lots of videos of that. And I'm like, maybe this is an omen that tr- the orange man, Trump, is going to get reelected. And I'm like, so I posted that online. And, yeah, that got some really interesting reviews. But anyway, um, so and I said, yeah, I think that, you know, we better pack it in and get ready to go. So um, we did. Uh, we packed up and went to uh, stay with our daughter. And uh, but that night was was very difficult uh, when you get to be in your 60s uh, you can't um, you can't handle the heat and the cold like you did when you were in your 20s and 30s um, if it's if it's above 75 degrees it's too hot if it's below if it's below uh, 58 degrees it's too cold and uh, so we were there and it was very hot in in the whole house but the room we were staying in was extremely hot and um, I took something to try to get to sleep and that didn't work. And I, so I finally decided to go sleep out in the truck and that worked for a couple of hours until I realized they didn't bring a blanket with me and I was cold out in the truck. So uh, I went back in and just laid in bed and did the best I could. And, um, so the, uh, the next day I said, you know, it's, it's still not that bad over at the house. I think maybe we should just go back. And we did, and boy, never, never appreciated the air conditioner as much as we did the other day. Um, and we took a nice nap and spent the night here, and then it, it looked like it was getting worse, like it was getting a lot closer. And so um, what you do when, when stuff like that happens is you water your yard, even though the grass is dead, and it's, you know, if it's a, a quarter inch high, I'd really be surprised. But... Um, you water the grass, you water your, the outside of your house. We got a tin roof, so I wasn't worried about that, but, um, you know, the other part of it's wood. So we, um, you know, watered the house and stuff like that and, um, went back over to our daughter's house. And, um, by that time they had acquired, um, uh, it's, um, a movable air conditioner. It's, you know, it's on wheels and stuff. It has a vent hole or vent hose and you can point it outside and uh, we'd set that up in the bedroom and boy it was nice it was easy to sleep then 
But anyway, we'd make periodic trips to pick more things up here that we thought were important and also to, to do some more watering because we really didn't want to lose our house. And we figured if we did, you know, it, it was all in Yahweh's hands, but, you know, you, you kind of grow accustomed to it. And um, so I remember coming home Saturday and uh, I don't know if any of, any of you folks have felt this way, but I've grown quite attached to this house. This house is 120 years old. <laughs> And it's been fixed up, it's been renovated and stuff, but it's 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 kind of like home base. I've never had a feeling like I have living here. And um, I came home to to shower and to pick up a few more things and uh, you know to do the outside thing again. And um, I actually started to weep a little bit. It's like, Lord, I really don't want to lose this. You know, I. I know that we have more than adequate insurance and that, you know, we could get something a lot newer and everything else, uh, something with forced air heat, the whole nine yards. But, you know, this has become part of us, you know. And um, so, you know, I got over that and then I took my shower and then picked up some more stuff and was finished with the watering and stuff and headed back over there. And you never realize, like I had to take last weekend off because all the things that you have to do, you know, people think, oh, you know, you just you just evacuate. Well, if it's not red and you don't have to evacuate, but you have a feeling that you, you're going to have to, you try to stay in, either stay or you, you come back and you do all that you can to try to preserve what you have. Okay, so there was no way I was going to go to work. And I know I'm a... They consider me essential personnel, but, you know, when it comes to my family and my dwelling, um, that's my essential right there. Some might argue about that, but, you know, that's what I see as essential. And, um, well, I'll cross that bridge when I get to it um, this next week. But um, anyway, uh, so I went back over there and then... um, Sunday, it it's it looked like it started to improve. We we had that map we were looking at, and I actually found uh, that there are uh, there's a map that shows you where all the hot spots are, um, and the hot spots are observed by um, uh, quite a few different satellites that fly overhead and take pictures while they're flying, and then send it down to uh, the firefighting personnel and stuff, and it lets them know where the the hot spots are so they can go attack or stay away from them if they're too hot. Well, anyway, um, I noticed that uh, on Sunday that the hot spots were starting to disappear and that a lot of the area had been burned already. I mean, this thing just really blew through uh, the McKenzie River Valley. And um, unfortunately, like, like I said, Blue River was gone and a little town called Vida was gone. And and up north, the same thing is happening with towns being destroyed. But um, anyway... Um, so we, we came back on um, late Sunday, and uh, we still have our stuff in the kitchen, although I don't think we're going to have to move it back to the truck because it seems to be getting better and better, and there's rain coming in, actually, this week, so, this weekend. So um, happy about that. But anyway, um, this, so you got a little bit of a history about what's been happening here. But I'm telling you, that orange sky was something I've never seen before, and it was apocalyptic. And um, 
don't know if you have my Facebook page, but you can go to it and check it out. But um, anyway, um, when you, they started investigating how these fires started because fires just don't start by themselves, you know. I mean, in a rare occasion, maybe uh, a piece of flint will fall on a rock and make a spark and it'll start a fire. But what is that, like one in a million? Um but, you know, so this fire started in Blue River and then one started up by, um, oh, I don't know, east of uh, Detroit, because we have a Detroit here in Oregon. And uh, it started there and uh, and the winds were blowing it west. And um, so they've got their own little problem going on up there. Not little. It's very big. I shouldn't make light of it. Um, but uh, uh Several people have died in this whole thing. And when people start dying and people start losing their property, you start asking questions. And first question is, how did these things start? Well, I went to, um, actually, I didn't find it myself. Somebody else showed it to me. There's a Antifa webpage, and I wish I would have saved it. Oh, I wish I would have saved it. I cannot forgive myself for not saving this Antifa page. But they were basically laying claim to the fires that they were starting them. And um, I think since then, uh, Antifa has probably had that branch of Antifa remove that. But um, so that, that kind of got me on a search and I started looking around. And um, uh, it's funny because as soon as I read that, I started reading things uh, in the mainstream media um, oh, well, you know, people are blaming Antifa for, for the fires, and uh, no, they're not doing it. And I'm like, why would you even bring that up when it hasn't become a, a major subject yet? You know, it's you're you're trying to, it's like you're trying to give somebody antibiotics before they have a, a bacterial infection, <laughs> you know. And uh, it was quite fishy when I heard that, you know. And... Um, so then, and you never hear this, this rest of this stuff in the mainstream stream press, but um, uh, just locally, um, well, let's just say Western Oregon, um, there was, well, it was yesterday, there was a thing on Facebook on the, the local site that talked about uh, there was a truck that was seen at two different fires up in the mountains that are just north of here. Uh, one on Scott Mountain Road and the other one at Wiley Butte. And uh, the truck was a, um, a white Nissan. They called it a hard body. I don't know what that means, but uh, with a black camper shell on it. And so everybody's been looking for that truck. And when I mean everybody's looking, I mean people are driving around looking for it. They're driving down all the streets and neighborhoods looking for this truck. I, I think if they were to drive up to Portland, they'd probably find it because that's where Antifa is. But... Um, anyway, they probably won't find it around here. It's probably up north. So anyway, they got those out pretty quick. Um, people saw the truck and the guy doing it and the fire crews were dispatched and they, both things were put out quite quickly. And I can't sing the praises of our fire guys any better than any more than I, and you know, it's, it's like you can't put into words how much you respect the firefighters. And now the loggers are up there fighting it too. Um, it directly impacts them. You know, if the forest is all burnt down, they don't have any work. But I don't think they're doing it for that reason. I think they're doing it just because they need to. 
um, their houses, you know, their, their houses are down here too. And their, their families are down here and their livelihood is down here and they can't afford that to be taken away. And they're doing it for their neighbors like me, you know, that, uh, I can't get up there and do that. I, geez, I, I walk on some rough ground and I turn an ankle anymore. Um, but, um, so anyway, Scott Mountain and Wadley Butte. Um, then I was looking, uh, somebody had posted on, um, it was on Twitter, I think, um, that she was on a highway and it was somewhere up in, I think it was up in Clackamas County somewhere and they had the highway blocked off and she asked the cop, she says, what's going on? And he says, well, there's some guys up there that were trying to start fires and we caught them and we're arresting them right now. So you can't, you know, we're blocking off, we're collecting evidence and stuff like that. So she got on there and said, for those of you that have heard that people aren't starting these fires, uh, here's proof, you know, and, and so that was pretty interesting. Um, another story that I heard of, um, and this comes from uh, a friend of my wife's friend who had a friend um, living somewhere here in Oregon, I'm sure, um, had a barn. And when he went outside, I guess uh, there was two guys that were going to light the barn on fire. And he called them out on it and they turned around and shot him, actually. He's in the hospital. But he uh, he managed to squeeze off a couple of rounds and he killed both guys that were going to burn down his barn. So this is how serious it's getting up here, folks. There's, there's vigil, I wouldn't call them vigilantes, but people that, that want to protect their property that, that are going to do it no matter what. Okay. Um, let's see. Um, there's, there's, uh, people that have been walking through some of the brush and stuff and they're finding stashes of flares and little cans of gasoline. Like, see, these things are all being planned and, they're being planned by Antifa and other uh, fascist groups. They might call themselves anti-fascists, but they're doing exactly what fascists do. Um, uh, and let's see, uh, I told you about the Antifa website. Um, and I told you that there are a lot of neighborhood patrols going on around here. Uh, people are looking out for anything that looks suspicious, and that's good. And I've been doing the same thing, too. There was a truck parked out in front of our fence earlier today, and, and a lot of trucks park out there. I mean, big rigs and stuff. But this this was at 930 at night when the store next door was closed. So, you know, what is he doing there? So I went out there and, you know, looked to see. I had my, my little Glock 20 on me just in case I needed it. <laughs> little thing will blow the blow through just about anything. Um but, uh, you know, nothing fishy was going on, but I'm going to check everything out. You know, I'm going to, I got my phone with me. I'll take pictures, anything I can, if I can prevent something from happening, if I can prevent a life from being taken or a house from being burned down or a neighborhood from being burned down or a forest from being burned down, I'm going to do it. Right. Um, and I heard from, uh, Brian, you know, our Brian, uh, posing matrix, Brian, let me finish this coffee off real quick. Okay, and um, he said that he has, uh, he has, well, he didn't say he has a good friend. We know he has a good friend, lives down in Medford. And um, Medford is another area that was hit kind of hard. Now, Medford's not your small town, okay? It's probably, let's see, the first, second, third, maybe the fourth largest city in um, in Oregon. Fourth or fifth, I can't remember. But anyway. 
Um, uh, he said that, uh, well, if you looked at the map, you saw that the fire had started west of uh, or east of uh, Medford and had blown into Medford, actually, and was destroying neighborhoods. And he said that his friend told him that um, they arrested 11 Antifa members for starting those fires. Um, and again, the media is saying that, no, it's not Antifa, and, and reports of people starting the fires are false. Well, where do they start? Is there Are there pieces of flint laying all over the place that just happen to be falling down and sparking on other rocks? Um, I don't think so. Um, they they got to be man-made, or, and there haven't been any lightning storms. So that's usually what, what starts these things, but... Um, Anyway, uh, so and it's and it's causing a lot of the crazies to come out. Um, a woman was arrested in Lebanon for starting a fire. I, I don't know. One report said that she started her boyfriend's clothes on fire. Another report said that she started a car on fire. Well, maybe she did both. Who knows? And then you have Portland, lovely Portland. Now, uh, if you haven't heard about Portland in the last week, you haven't been watching the news or the last month or whatever. Um, they've had a hundred days straight of riots, hundred days plus now. Um, they call them protests, but when you're burning things and breaking windows, that's a riot. I'm sorry. It's, it's civil unrest. It's a riot. And, um, through the process of this, well, first of all, the, uh, the mayor ordered the, uh, the police not to shoot tear gas anymore. And the cops are really pissed about that up there um, because tear gas really works. It dispels people. It makes them go away um, or move back anyway. Um, and so in, in the process of this, over this period of time, 600 people have been arrested for civil disobedience, uh, throwing Molotov cocktails at police, um, you know, you name it. And, uh, the district attorney up in Portland dismissed 600 cases of uh, the people that were arrested, uh, dismissed their um, charges. All charges were dropped and they were let to go. So, see, that's what you're dealing with. You're dealing with idiocracy, leftist po- politics that, you know, they they thrive on disorder. <laughs> And it's funny because the mayor who stood out with the the protesters a few weeks ago, not long after that, they marched on his house. I guess he lives in some kind of big condo or something and uh, condo building. And uh, they stormed that. After that, he moved. Everybody else has to stay, but he moves. And uh, and he apologized to the, the people that he was leaving there. But it's like... Sorry, but I have the money and I'm getting out of here. So uh, anyway, we have a um, we have a cold civil war going on right now. We have had since Trump took office, and it's because it's it's a spiritual battle. It's a battle of good versus evil. It's a battle of righteousness versus unrighteousness. Um, and this is a prelude to what's going to happen after November 4th. Um, I don't know if you heard it, um, but I saw, I actually watched the video. There was a, a woman that was the um, 
superintendent of schools, I think it was, down in um, L.A. County that said with her own mouth that the that, uh, schools will open up after November 4th, after the election. So does that tell you something? That tells you that this is all a plan. This is all a plan to get people pissed off so they'll vote Trump out of office. But I got a feeling that this is really going to backfire on the liberals. Um, and, and rightfully so, it should. But um, it's just, it's crazy. It really is. It's its the world turned upside down. It's, it's the um, indescribable. You know, who knew that this would happen in 2020? You know, you know who knew? <laughs> the elites. They knew it because they planned it. The Rockefellers and the Soroses and the um, Bilderbergers and uh, and all the others that, uh, you know, have planned this out because they want their agenda 2021 to become reality. Um, frankly, George Soros, if one of two things need to be done, he needs to be arrested and publicly executed. For, uh, for treason because he's an American citizen and he's fighting against his own country. He said with his own lips that he wants to take America out. Um, or, or, you know, maybe, uh, an arid cruise missile could strike his house or something. That would, that would not bother me either. But, um, he needs to be eliminated. He really does. And hopefully, you know, when when Trump takes office, um, he'll do that. But the only problem is that he's got, I think, three sons and a daughter. And, uh, you know, he's training them up to take over when he's gone. So you're pretty well going to have to take out the whole family. So, um, Mr. Trump, if you hear this, please get on it, because the guy is funding all this crap. He's paying for these protesters. I mean, they're taking ads out in papers, for goodness sakes. Earn money being a protester. You know, it's like then they ship them in and unmarked buses. If you go somewhere and you see buses that are that are white and unmarked and there's three or four of them parked there and there's a protest going on. Man, I don't know. I don't know what I'd do if I saw that. I know what I'd have an inkling to do, but I'm not going to say it on the air. Um, anyway, so, uh, be forewarned that there's November 5th, that things are going to start getting hot. Um, Biden has a snowball's chance of hell of getting elected and Kamala Harris. And I know a lot of people say it's Kamala, but I like to mispronounce it on purpose. Um, you know, they're, they're, (laughs) they're no good for the country whatsoever. I don't think that they could uh, fight their way out of a paper bag, to tell you the truth. And I wonder if Joe Biden even remembers what a paper bag is. You know, I, I don't mean to criticize him because I do have a heart for people with dementia and Alzheimer's. But and I and partly what I do is I, I you know, my we were watching him today and um, my wife says, oh, that his poor wife. And I said, no, no, his wife is the one that's spurring him on. His wife is the one that wants him to run. Don't feel sorry for her. She's the one that's fostering all this. You know, that is one wicked woman right there. Joe Biden's wife. Oh my goodness. Um, I don't know, 
you just you just got to wonder if there's there's hotter places in hell for people like that you know that um you you wonder if there's a hotter place in hell for hitler and stalin and mussolini and uh pol pot and stuff like that than there is for other people that go there um you know i don't i don't know how the almighty has set up sheol um especially well there's only one chamber in sheol anymore anymore anyway but um you know, there's got to be places where the torment is worse than it is for other people. Um, anyway, um, I think I'm going to kind of bring this to a close. Um, I got other things I got to do. Plus, um, well, I think, uh, let's see, we've been on an hour and almost an hour and a half. So next week, I frankly don't know who we're going to have on on Monday night. Um, Rodney and uh, Valerie might come back. I'm not sure. Um, and and let me explain something, okay? Um, we have some people that have been coming on that are kind of controversial, and um, and that's good. And um, but controversy is, is is a good thing, but we have to. Always remember to temper it with scripture and, and I'm talking about correct scripture, not, not things that are made up and stuff like that. So, um, you might remember we had some doctor, some kind of doctor came on not too long ago. Well, it was probably about six or seven months ago now, but, and she was just really off. <laughs> she was off, uh, theologically and everything else. And, um, I kind of feel a little weird about that, you know, and um, personally, I'm trying to to change it so that, you know, we have people that are more um, concrete, people that are more stable coming on. And um, I just want to apologize ahead of time if anybody gets offended that uh, maybe it seems like we're having some people that are totally, um, totally um, outside the fringe or outside the box. But, um, you know, it's, uh, maybe it's good for the show. Maybe it's not, I don't know. But, um, you know, when you have a consortium of, uh, four people that are part of a radio show, you know, sometimes you, uh, one or two or, or more invite people on it or, um, a little over the top, so to speak. So, um, anyway, just, uh, have patience with us with that. Uh, I'm still waiting to hear back from uh, Russ um, Tanner about the chemtrails. I'm going to write to him again tomorrow. Um, he's got quite a busy schedule going on, so I want to see when he's going to be busy. And uh, he will take priority over anybody else. Um, Jim's been in contact with somebody that um, has been involved in some some projects that uh, – he himself will not come on to the program, but he has provided the material to be presented on the, on the program. And it, we will not present that until all of us read it. Um, you know, this isn't going to be a one, one man show when it comes to that, you know, we're all going to read it. We're all going to have a voice in it. Um, so expect that in the future sometime, but uh, I still haven't gotten the paperwork yet. So, um, anyway, uh, 
I guess I'm going to say good night. I'm going to just ask the Lord to bless you uh, and Yeshua's name and, and uh, give you what you what he has for you in his will. Um, not necessarily what you want, but what you need. And that's all that we really need from him is what we need. What we want is inconsequential. A lot of times what we want is going to burn up in the fire anyway, <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, special prayer requests for my, my uh, pastor down in California, Tom Mooney, who lost his wife today to cancer. Um, Tom's, a, Tom's a wonderful man. <clears throat> and so his wife was a wonderful woman. Still is. She's in heaven now. But um, lost her to cancer. And, um, but, um, I'm sure that Tom, I know Tom loved her a lot and still does and really grief stricken and, um, just keep him in prayer. Okay. Because that's going to be hard for that family that she was a very lovely woman who loved everybody that she met. Her name was Berta. And, um, I never, I never met a person that said that she treated them with ill will at any time. Um, I remember one time there was a lady that came to church and um, it might have been, no, it was a lady. No, it was a man. The, the, the late lady was another story. But, uh, and, you know, we, his church has a lot of homeless people that come there and a lot of uh, street people, a lot of uh, drug addicts and stuff come to church there. And um, the man smelt really bad and, Berta walked right up to him and gave him a big hug and held on to him real tight. And that's not an easy thing to do, you know, when somebody smells real gamey like that. And But she did it, and that's what kind of person she was. She was just a very loving person that loved everybody. I don't think there was a person in this world that she hated, aside from the devil and stuff like that. But um, So if you keep him in your prayers and his family, because I'm sure they're grieving a lot tonight. And uh, it's it's hard, even even though you know that your loved one is in heaven, even though that you know that they're they're wrapped in the loving arms of Yeshua, and uh, that they're not sick anymore, and that they're they're you know f- like with me, I'm 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 going to be skinny again in heaven, and then <laughs> I won't have any of the health problems that I have right now. So um, I can appreciate what she's experiencing right now, and all those things are gone. And she's basking in the light of Yeshua. And uh, usually people like that, when they die, um, we lose people like that. But heaven gains people like that. And, and it'll come a day when we'll, we'll all be together again. So, uh, But until that time, uh, pray for peace and um, that uh, their grieving won't be bad at all. But that they'll realize that. Uh, Berta didn't say goodbye, but she said, see you later. And um, in any case, if you lost a loved one, you know what I'm talking about. So keep him in your prayers and his family, please. And, um, well, just be blessed until uh, we meet again next Monday. And uh, enjoy your weekend, okay, if you have it off. Enjoy it. And Yeshua's holy majestic, precious, and glorious name. Amen and amen. Goodbye, folks.